0: CHAPTER 69 OF HISTORY OF THE NORWEGIAN PEOPLE, VOLUME 1 BY Knut GERSHET. THIS LIBRIVOX RECORDING IS IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN. HAUKEN HAUKENSEN'S EXPEDITION TO THE Hebrides. THE CLOSE OF HIS REIGN. King Alexander II of Scotland had manifested a great desire to gain possession of the Hebrides. He was even on the point of beginning a war for this purpose when he suddenly died in 1249. His son, Alexander III, was then a mere child, and a regency was appointed to rule during his minority. The kings of Man and the Hebrides were loyal to King Haakon, and for a time no danger seemed to threaten the colonial possessions. But when Alexander III became old enough to control the affairs of government, he revived his father's plan of joining the Hebrides to the Scotch kingdom. In 1261 he sent two envoys to Norway, as it appears for the purpose of persuading King Haakon to cede the islands, but the attempt was unsuccessful. In the summer of the following year news was brought to norway that william earl of ross together with many other scotch chieftains had attacked the island of Skye and harried it most cruelly the report adding that it was king alexander's intention to conquer all the isles the attack was evidently made by his orders since hostages were carried to scotland where they were kept in custody at the iverness castle at the expense of the government this made haakon very angry and by the advice of his council he decided to declare war. In the spring of 1263 he began to make preparations for an expedition to Scotland. He committed the government at home to his son Magnus and collected a large fleet at Bergen. An advanced squadron of eight vessels was dispatched to aid King Magnus Olaf, son of man, but because of stormy weather it did not reach its destination before the main fleet arrived on the coast of Scotland on the fifth of july the king sailed from bergen accompanied by magnus jarl of the orkneys who had been called to norway as it seems for the purpose of assisting in the undertaking how large the fleet was is not definitely stated in the saga which says that Hakon had over 120 ships when the whole fleet was assembled in the hebrides the old scotch historian Fordun states that he had 160 ships and twenty thousand men which agrees quite well with the saga this was probably the largest army ever sent from Norway to the British Isles, and great alarm spread through the coast districts of Scotland, where the attack might be expected at any time. Hawkins sailed by way of the Shetland Islands to the Orkneys, where he stopped for a few days to work out a more detailed plan of campaign. He would divide his fleet into two squadrons, one which would go to Moray Firth and attack the eastern districts of Scotland, while the king himself would proceed to the Hebrides with the other but his captains refused to go anywhere except under the king's direct command, and the plan had to be abandoned. While waiting for their forces from the Orkneys to complete their preparations, he went to Caithness, and compelled the people to pay tribute because they had accepted the overlordship of the king of Scotland. He offered them peace if they would pay a certain amount, probably of stores and provisions, and they promptly accepted the terms. King Alexander III strengthen the garrisons and defenses of the castles in all the districts where an attack might be expected. At Iverness on Moray Firth, at Ayr and Wigtun, in the southern part, and even at Stirling, the garrisons were strengthened, and energetic measures were taken to collect ships and to build new ones. On the 10th of August, Haakon left the Orkneys. The forces of these islands had not yet completed their armament, but they were ordered to follow as soon as they could. They sailed by the way of Lewis into the Sound of Skye and came to anchor at the little island of Caelichton, Norse Kerligorstein, where he was joined by the King of Man and the forces which had been dispatched to that island. When he entered the Sound of Mull, King Dugald of the Hebrides met him in a light craft, and piloted the fleet to Carrara, where the forces from the islands had assembled to join the main fleet. Both King Magnus Olafson of Man and King Dugald MacRory, Roedri, of the hebrides were royal to king haakon but Eugon of argyll whom he had given the title of king and invested with the island of mole had joined alexander the third had large fiefs on the mainland of scotland and as he found it impossible to serve two masters he dropped his royal title and with it his allegiance to king haakon from Carrera, haakon sent fifty ships in command to king dugald king magnus and some norwegian ships to kantir and fifteen ships to the castle of rothsay in the island of Bute. With the rest of the fleet, he advanced to the island of Giga. The lords Mercad and Angus of Cantir came to Hocken to offer their submission, and took an oath of allegiance to him, but they had to pay a tribute of twelve hundred head of cattle. The castle of Rothsay also capitulated without much resistance. Envoys now also came from Ireland to King Hocken, and offered the submission of the people of Ireland, if he would deliver them from the oppressive English rule. It is not stated who these envoys were, but it is quite clear that they came from the Norse colonies, who felt sorely oppressed under English rule. It has already been stated elsewhere that the English had taken their cities and had forced the Norsemen to withdraw and found new settlements outside the city limits. Hawkins sent Sigurd from the Hebrides to Ireland with some light vessels to investigate the conditions, while he moved his fleet around Cantir to the island of Aran. Hawkins' large fleet, as well as the victories which they had already won, so alarmed king alexander the third that he sent messengers to sue for peace and Hawkin welcomed this opportunity to terminate the hostilities the summer was nearly spent and he foresaw the danger of exposing his fleet to the severe autumn storms in these dangerous waters an armistice was arranged but king alexander would not accept the terms offered and much time was wasted in fruitless negotiations finally Hawkin grew impatient and gave notice that he would renew the campaign he had advanced up the Firth of Clyde, whence he sent sixty ships into Loch Long, while the main force was to land at Largs to fight the Scotch army stationed there. The forces sent to Loch Long brought the boats to Loch Lomond and ravaged the country as far as Stirling, but on the first and second of October a hurricane swept over western Scotland and put a sudden end to further operations. Ten ships of the squadron in Loch Long foundered, and of the main fleet at Largs many ships were damaged or driven ashore. The king sought refuge in the island of Qumray, Qumri, but many ships drifted to the mainland, where they were attacked by the Scots. When the storm abated somewhat, the king again went on board the ships and sent aid to the men on shore. The Scots were driven off, and the Norse detachments spent the night on land. In the morning, October 2nd, the Scotch main army came up. About one thousand Norsemen were now on shore, of whom two hundred forty were stationed on a hillock. They were attacked by overwhelming numbers. Many fell, and the rest fled to the shore, where they made a spirited resistance. At last two captains succeeded in landing fresh troops, and the Scots were driven back upon the hill and finally put to flight. The battle was over, and the Norsemen returned to their ships. The next morning they landed again, removed the dead from the battlefield and buried them near a church probably in the island of boot the squadron from Loch long again joined the fleet and Hawken destroyed his stranded ships and moved his fleet to lambash harbour sigurd of the hebrides who had been sent to ireland now returned with a message from the irish people to the king that they would keep his army the whole winter if he would come and deliver them from the english he called a thing to consider this proposal but his men were opposed to it as it was late in the season, and they were short of provisions. He decided, therefore, to go into winter quarters in the Orkneys, and many of his men were permitted to return to Norway. After a very stormy voyage, he reached these islands during the last days of October. King Håken, who was now fifty-nine years old, seems to have overexerted himself in this strenuous naval campaign. Not long after his arrival in the Orkneys, sickness confined him to his bed. During his illness, says the saga, he had the Bible and Latin books read to him, but it soon seemed to fatigue him to catch the meaning of the words. He then let Norwegian books be read, day and night, first the sagas of the saints, and where there were no more of them, the sagas of the kings of Norway from Haftan Svarta, one after the other. He died, deeply mourned by the whole nation, December fifteenth, 1263, and was succeeded by his son Magnus Lagerbatter. His body was brought to Bergen and interred in the Christ Church by the side of his father and grandfather. The celebrated Battle of Largs was in reality only a skirmish in which the Norwegians were victorious, but this great expedition and the disaster which overtook it seemed to have brought the leading men to ponder the situation more carefully. They began to see how difficult it was to defend the Hebrides, lying snug to the shores of Scotland, when even vessels like eugen of Argyle sided with the King of Scotland. Could Norway afford to keep a dependency like the Hebrides, when her whole naval force would have to be kept in constant service to defend it? King Magnus Legobutter and his advisers were wise enough to see that such a cause would not only be futile but ruinous, and steps were soon taken to conclude peace with Scotland. After negotiations had been carried on for some time, King Alexander agreed to buy Hebrides and man By the Treaty of Perth, signed July 2nd, 1266, Magnus transferred these islands to Scotland for the sum of 4,000 marks sterling, payable in four annual installments. Scotland also agreed to pay every year perpetually 100 marks to the Crown of Norway. A fine of 10,000 marks sterling was to be paid by the party who violated or did not fulfill the treaty. At the time when the treaty was concluded, King Magnus Olafsson of Man was already dead. This island was never formally united with Scotland, but was held by the kings of Scotland as a personal possession until it was finally transferred to the crown of England. End of chapter sixty-nine